Well, hey, Brookside, good morning. It's uh, great to see you this morning, and uh, you look bright-eyed. Isn't it an exciting morning? It's so great to have Gracious here, and just some fun, fun things going on. If you're a guest here with us today, I want to welcome you. My name is Jeff, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and we're just really privileged uh, to be able to gather in this place. As Nicole said, uh, we're in a series, and uh, the series is taking us through the New Testament book of Colossians, and I've loved this series, and I've heard from many of you that it's impacting your hearts and your lives, and, and that, <clears throat> that's really what we're after. And this morning, uh, we get to a, a passage of Scripture that is very, very impactful. Um, uh, if you've ever been on a long hike, you know what this is like, that it's not just when you get to the top of the mountain that it's the, the great view, but there's also oftentimes along the way, you kind of get to stop, catch your breath, and look around, and there's so much to see, so much to take in. This morning is one of those passages as we journey through the book of Colossians. We're going to see this is one of those places where we take a time out in the scriptures and we go, wow, Lord, we want to sit in this. We want to take this in and we really want to apply this to our lives. Um, It's going to have really impact for everybody. It's one of those passages that whether you're a student or you're an employee or you're an employer or whatever stage of life you're in, if you're a parent, whatever, uh, this is one of those topics that it really can direct every aspect of your life, and I'm not overstating that by any stretch, and so it's deeply moved me, and I'm excited to jump into it with you uh, this morning. But before we get there, I actually want to mention just a a couple of things to you. You know, we got in the rhythm last year of doing what we call the family meeting, and we did those um, about once every quarter, and as we did them, I kept hearing from all of you, or many of you, I should say, that, hey, those were helpful. Those gave us information. They kept us up to date on what was going on. They didn't take long, but it was good just to get a sneak peek behind the scenes, what's happening, and, and keep us up to date. And so we continue to do that throughout the year. We, just, we did, uh, I think, three or four of them last year. This morning, I want to take just a couple minutes, and I want to do that uh, with you, have a little family meeting. Now, if you're a guest here with us this morning, it's really for those who attend Brookside, call Brookside their home church. And so I would invite you, you can check your phone, update your status, go grab coffee upstairs, whatever, you know, join us in like two minutes. But, but here's the thing, um, sometimes when you hear, hey, we're going to have a family meeting, the first thing you think is, oh, what's wrong? What happened? What's broke? Who broke it? Are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix it? How can we right the ship? All that kind of stuff. This morning, I don't want you to think that as I say we're going to have a family meeting. This morning, there's just two phrases that I want you to have in your mind as we go through this, and here they are, two phrases. Number one, thank you, and number two, well done. Thank you and well done. I want you to keep those two phrases in your mind. As Nicole said, in a couple weeks on June 3rd, we're going to have a morning, and we're going to dedicate it to all that God has been doing in our midst. We have so much to be thankful for as a church, and so we're going to go back, and we're going to recount the, the things that God's been doing, we're going to go back and we're going to remember things like Easter Sunday and Baptism Sunday and our Christmas Eve services and all the families that have been served through the care center. And we're going to look at individual ministries and get some updates. And, and we're just going to stand back and go, thank you, God. We got to be a part of that. We got to be able to see what you were doing and to engage with it. So that's, that's on June 3rd. We're excited for that. So much to be thankful for. This morning, though, I want to give you a financial update. I want to keep you up to date on what's going on in kind of behind the scenes on in the financial world for us as a church. Again, keep those two statements in your mind. Thank you and well done. We did a series, if you remember this, in uh, February, and we called that series Generous. And, and in that series, what we talked about is how do we live beyond ourselves? How do we live the kind of life that our life actually has an impact that, that goes well beyond our days here on this earth? How do we live with an eternal perspective? How do we live the kind of lives that will leave this key word that we talk a lot about here at Brookside, this thing called legacy? How do we do that? 
And when we got to the last part in that series, we talked about the resources that God has entrusted to us. And we ended that message actually by saying, hey, it's pretty clear in the scriptures that God says, hey, if I've entrusted you with resources, and if, if you're a person that's walking in my goodness and my grace, then God says, hey, you need to give back. And so we saw in the scriptures that, that tithing is something that God calls us to. And so it was fun. At the end of that sermon, we said, hey, would you, would you join us? Would you, for some of you, for the very first time, would you take what we call the 90-day challenge? And many, many of you, you signed up and you said, yes, I'll take the 90-day challenge. I've never done that before. God has entrusted me with a lot. I love the grace of God that I walk in. And now I need to start expressing that through something very important to me, my stuff, my resources. And so many of you did that. And I just want to say, those of, the, those of you that you fund the things that we do around here, I want to say to you this morning, thank you. Thank you. From me, from our elder board, from our staff, you are helping us help people find and follow Jesus Christ. And your giving is making a tangible difference in the lives of people. We see it every single week. People, people, people. Thank you, church. Um, so I want to just give you an update now on, on kind of where things are at. So if this is, our, if this is our budget, so if you think of these as all of the weeks that we get to gather, and all of this represents quarter number one of this year, quarter number one. So if that's our budget, and that budget line represents here, this is the, the monies that we need to do the things that we get to do week in and week out, not just in this place, but also supporting our partners globally and also locally. So this is where our budget has been since January and where it continues to be. This is the easiest one I've ever done. I want to thank you for that. Church, we are slightly above our budget, and we have been since January. And so again, those two phrases, thank you and well done. Your tithes, your offerings are making a tangible difference in the lives of people, and it's really fun to get to draw a, a, a graph that's above the line. And so thank you. That's the kind of church you are, and we're so uh, incredibly grateful for it. Um, now, looking ahead, now many of you know this, if you've ever been a part of a nonprofit or worked in one or just been a part of one, you know that the toughest financial months for a nonprofit are May, June, and July, the months that we're entering into. And so I have one ask of you that I think will help us continue this because for even for us as a church, we've not been a, a church that's been able to, to kind of buck the normal trend that those are hard months for us as a nonprofit. They are, have been traditionally hard months. But I'm asking you, my challenge to us is that we would buck that trend and that we would keep going where, where we have. Because, because here's the deal. When we operate up here, it allows the leadership of this church to stay focused on what matters most, and that's helping people find and follow Jesus. And that's, again, why I, why I say, well done, and thank you so much. And so here's my one ask of you. If you've prioritized your giving, like if you would say, yes, I, I've experienced the grace of God, I'm following Jesus Christ, I'm a regular tither, I'm a regular person that's giving offerings to God, um, if you've prioritized that, would you consider making it automatic? Um, would you consider... Uh, looking online on our website and going, you know what, as we get into the season of year where there's trips and vacations and all sorts of sporting events and schedules and all those things, would you consider taking your, your normal giving and making it automatic, um, automated giving? Here's what that does for us. It takes out the highs and the lows. It takes out the kind of the roller coaster, and it allows us again to stay crystal focused, laser focused, on what matters most. And so that's my one ask of you. And Brookside, I again just want to say thank you. 
Um, thank you so much for what you're doing. You are really making a difference in the lives of people. I can't wait till June 3rd because we're going to bring people up on the stage and you're going to see video and we're going to tell the stories. We're going to tell the stories of how people's lives, how their hearts have gone from one place to another because they've encountered Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so next weekend, I want to just mention this real quick and then we'll move on. Our family meeting is over. How was our family meeting? Was it okay? It wasn't bad, was it? Right? See, some of you are going to start having family meetings at home, and they're going to start being positive. You can do that. I know you can. Next weekend, Mother's Day. Dads, don't forget. That's your reminder, okay? Um, here's the deal. It's going to be a special morning around here, and I want to encourage you. Invite a friend. Um, invite another mom. Um, come, bring your family. It's going to be a great morning for us. I also, actually, just looking ahead at the weeks to come, I just want to encourage you. This time of year might be the time of year when you have a colleague or you have a neighbor that would actually be open to an invitation to come to church. Um, this is a great season that we're entering in to do so. So I would encourage you to, who knows how someone might respond. So take that risk and, wow, extend that, extend that invitation. Okay, well, let's transition to where we're heading this morning, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And why don't we do this before we get into it? Why don't we just pray and let's just say, let's go before the Lord together as a church. And let's just say, Lord, wherever we come from this week, highs, lows, everything in between, God, we seek you, and God, we invite you to do something significant. So yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Father, I thank you that we can gather in this place. And Lord, we just want to proclaim to you in this place, Lord, we long to hear from you. God, we invite you to continue to, to, to do the good work that you've begun in us. Lord, we do not want to take our foot off the gas pedal at seeing what you will do through us as a church, the new ground that you'll lead us to take. And Father, then beyond just us as a whole church, God, we now look right into our own hearts. And maybe this is even a new prayer for you, but would you just come before the Lord this morning and would you say, Lord, I invite you to do a good work in me. Lord, I invite you to do a good work in me. Lord, I ask you, would you speak to me this morning? Lord, I ask you, Lord, I wouldn't hear from Jeff this morning, but Lord, that you would supernaturally, like only a loving God can do, that you would speak directly to me. So Lord, that's our invitation, that's our prayer, that's our heart this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you stand with me now, and let's read our text for this morning, and let's just stand out of respect for God's word, okay? We're going to look at four verses today, just four verses, and, and let me just mention this as you're standing. Uh, the 30,000-foot view of this text that you really need to have in your mind is this. It's a bridge text, and so we've got chapter 1, we've got chapter 2, and now the Apostle Paul is going to bridge us into chapter 3, and what I mean by that is this. The Apostle Paul has gone to great lengths to explain the gospel. He's gone to great lengths to say, this is the incredible message of Jesus Christ, and this is all that it means for you. But now, he's going to bridge us from the good news to, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for, for me? How does that impact your today? So here it is. Let's, let me read it to you. Here it is. Since then, it says, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You may be seated. 
I want to ask you a question this morning. Give this some thought. Have you ever been frustrated with your thoughts? Have you ever been frustrated with the things that are going through your mind? Have you ever had one of those seasons, one of those days, one of those weeks where you had something in your mind that you just couldn't get out of your mind and it was impacting everything else around you? Have you ever had that where you would have even said, I'm stuck on this mentally? I can't get my mind off of this. And as a result, it was impacting the things in your life. Have you ever had that happen to you where you're just dwelling on something and you can't seem to get over it and just the dwelling on it is not helping the situation at all? Have you ever done that? You feel like you're just kind of maybe even stewing. You know, there have been times for me as recent as this week when I've noticed that I can be very quick, very edgy, and that's just a very nice way of saying a jerk, a grumpy jerk. I've noticed there have been times even this week where that's happened to me. And I've expressed it to maybe my children or to my wife, Christina. And here's what I know. Almost every time that that happens for me, this week even, I noticed the dog like looked away from me. And I was like, wow, I need to clean it up. Yep. But here, here's what can happen to me. I don't know about you. But if my mind gets stuck on something, and it can be a relationship, it can be an issue, it can be a pressure, it can be, you name it, right? We all experience these things. But if my mind gets stuck there, what I find is it begins to impact all the things around me. And that becomes very, very frustrating. The Apostle Paul, he writes to us in Colossians chapter 3, and he knows this. He knows that this is so true, and this is the wisdom of God for us this morning, that what you think about is very important. That the things that go through your mind are very, very, very important. You know, if you're driving down the interstate and you want to keep going the same speed, what do you do? What do you set? Cruise control, right? You pick a speed and you set it. And then the police officer tells you whether you picked the right one or the wrong one, right? But you, you get to set it, don't you? This morning what we're going to see is this, and this is my goal. My goal is that you would be able to leave here today and you would be reminded of this very clear fact that we see in several places in the scriptures. You get to choose what you set your mind on. You get to choose. You get to choose what you dwell on. You get to choose what impacts your thinking and then impacts your relationships and then impacts your decisions. You get to choose that. And this morning we're going to see with clarity what our good God longs for us to have our minds set on. And so let's look at these, these verses. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let's look deeply at them. It says this first. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Now we have to take a pretty big time out actually two words into this one. Because the Apostle Paul is going to make a huge assumption. He's making an assumption that you have been raised with Christ. Right away. This text doesn't apply to you if you've not been raised with Christ. He's writing to Christians. And he's saying, though, if you're a Christian, this one is for you. If you're not a Christian, I think this will actually be very helpful for you. But he's writing to those who have been raised with Christ. Let me put that in, in different language. Let me give you three things that I think are very representative of the person that has been raised with Christ. In other words, they've come to know Christ. They put their faith in Christ. Number one is this. That person, they believe that they have wrong in their life and that they're not able to pay for it. They believe that they, they commit sin, that they are clearly a sinner. 
Now, if you don't think you have any sin in your life, man, I'd love to meet you, right? You're unique. But those who have been raised with Christ have come to the place in their life where they've said, you know what, I do do wrong. I am a sinner. Number two, I believe that it means this. Paul's writing to people who that when they look at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ wasn't just another man. Jesus Christ was the son of God in all of his deity, in all of his greatness, in all of his glorious and glory. That is God when we look at Jesus Christ. That's key to those who have put their faith in him. That's how they view Jesus Christ. And then they believe this, those who have been raised with Christ, they believe that, okay, Jesus Christ, not only is he God, but he died a death we could never die to pay a penalty we could never pay so that we could have this incredible relationship with our loving God. Number three, I believe that he's saying this. He's saying that those who have been raised with Christ, that they live with this longing in their heart. They want to please God. And this grows over time. I think for some of us, this, this gets kind of cold even at times. But it's there, and it grows. But it's this desire in us that we want to please God, that we want to live for God, that, okay, I want to orient my life around the purposes of God because, again, I've tasted that God is good, and I want more of him. And so I'm going to lean into him. And so the Apostle Paul, we even see this earlier in the book, he paints this reality of what it means to be a Christian, what this reality looks like. He says this in verse 13. It says, for he's talking about Jesus Christ. Again, I want to make sure that we're very clear. Who is Paul writing to? This helps us understand it. It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom, what do we have? We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul is saying, he rescued us. You didn't rescue you. You realized, actually, that you couldn't rescue yourself, and that's why you turned to Christ. That's called repentance. I was wrong. I can't pay for it. I don't want to be accountable for it. And so, Lord, I turn. I repent from it, and I say, God, I trust in you. And what do you do in that place, Lord? You rescue me. You give me redemption. You give me the forgiveness of my sins. And then notice he says this in chapter 2. Again, I want to give you some handles so that you understand exactly the stage that's been set for us when we get to chapter 3. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, 13. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in your un the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's just talking about your heart there. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And then verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He's taken it away. And so here's the thing. He's writing to people that are living without guilt and shame because they're saying, my guilt and my shame, it's on Jesus Christ. And he is the only one that can allow me to stand before a holy God and to say, I'm not worried about that day. I look forward to that day. And while I live here, I get to live in relationship, not in religion, but in dynamic relationship, intimate relationship with this incredible God who knows and loves me. Now, in light of all of that, the Apostle Paul says, if you've gone from here to there, if you've gone from unforgiven to forgiven, if you've gone to filled with guilt to I don't have, I don't have to live with that, if you've gone from carrying your burdens to saying, God, you can carry them, if you've gone from here to there, the Apostle Paul now says this. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ since you've been redeemed, since all of that has happened. And then notice that he says this, since you 
have been raised with Christ. In other words, you can have complete confidence in it. You don't have to wonder. I mean, think about that. If you put your faith in Christ, you have complete confidence. You are good with God. That's amazing. That's a standing that we can remind ourselves of every single day. I am in good standing with my creator, with my God. It's locked in. And so then we get to these next words, though. Since then you have been raised with Christ, we get this question, so what is our role? If God has done all of that, if he's brought the gospel to us, what is my role? Here it is. Since then you have been raised with Christ, have been, it's finished, you're, it's, it, you can be confident in it. Here it is. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, I love this. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so the Apostle Paul says this, where Christ is, I want you to set your heart, I want you to set your affections on Jesus Christ. He takes all the guesswork out of it. The Apostle Paul says this, my goal and God's goal for us is this, is that we would set our hearts on him, that we would seek him, that we would pursue after him, that we would want to know more of him, that we would rub up against Jesus and it would be shown that we've been rubbing up against him, that we would live the kind of lives that we take our weaknesses to him, we take the things that we can't carry to him, and he leads us. I'm going to set my mind, I'm going to seek, I'm going to pursue the things of God. As a son or a daughter in this incredible standing before God, we're instructed, set your minds on the one who's done it for you. Set your minds directly on him. It's the wisest place that you can look. Last year for Father's Day, Christina surprised me and she got me these really nice binoculars. Now, you're like, why do you need those? Do you like look at your neighbors? What do you know? So I've been hunting a couple times, and, and I realized this, that if you go hunting, uh, you need these unless you have like super crazy great eyes. And, and so, so I, I took these hunting, and I was like, wow, this is so helpful. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, you put these up to your face, and you better not be sleeping back there. I can see you big time. Yeah. And so anyway, you, you, can, you can see so far with these. These things are actually incredible. But here's the thing that I learned about hunting early on is this. I thought that when you go hunting, I learned very quickly, you have to walk usually through snow, and it's usually raining because it just always does, and it's freezing cold and all those things. And, and then you finally get to your spot, and I thought once you got to the spot, you just waited and things came to you. It's not how it works. When you get to the spot, I learned this because I thought, man, when we get to the spot, we're finally going to have that hot chocolate we brought. This is good, right? No. When you get to the spot, you sit down, cold, wet, and you start doing this. And once you've taken your time and you've looked over every hilltop and every valley, and you go back, and you do it again. And you, it's just, you just keep doing it. And here's the thing. If you want to be a successful hunter, you have to set your sights where the animals are or where you think that they will be. Here's the thing I learned really quickly. Lazy hunters get nothing. If you go there and you just open up a can of coffee, you, no, 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 you won't get a thing. But I went with this guy, and he's, a, he's not a lazy hunter. He's an active hunter. And so he said, hey, start glassing the area. And I was like, glassing the area? I don't know what that means. And it's whoosh, 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 whoosh. The Apostle Paul is going to say this. If you're in Christ, you can't be lazy. If you're in Christ, 
If you have that beautiful standing before God, it's going to take some intentionality. You can't be lazy. You have to set, and it's your choice. You have to set your mind. You have to set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. Now, I love this. Our instruction is to set our focus on Jesus Christ. Let me read to you how Jesus is described in chapter 1. This is the image of Jesus. Just kind of, maybe you can close your eyes as I read this. I won't even put it up on the screens. Just listen to this. Paul writes, the Son is the, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Who is he? Who do you set your sights on? He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. You can, can you trust him with your circumstances? Oh yeah, you can. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Set your focus on him. Verse 17, he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Does he have you? Of course he has you. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who's leading Brookside? Jesus Christ. That's who we look to. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning. He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. When you focus on Jesus Christ, you're focusing on the fullness of God. And then it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice that it says this. I want you to set, the apostle Paul says, set your hearts on things above. It's not just your head. The apostle Paul says you set your affections. You set the core of who you are. Why? Because he's your rescuer. When you've been, re- if, you, if some of you, you got lost one time and you got rescued and you know, you were like, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. You felt indebted to the one who rescued you. The Apostle Paul says this, if you've been rescued, if you've been brought from one domain to another, if you've gone from unforgiven to forgiven, the Apostle Paul says, set your heart, set your affections, let them dwell on who Jesus is. Verse 2, he says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There is so much power, church, in what we think about. So much power. What our minds dwell on. Set your minds. You get to choose. You get to set the control. What are you going to think about? I was having lunch a few weeks ago with a group of other pastors in our city and and one of the guys in the group is confined to a wheelchair. He has been for years. Wonderful man. Wonderful pastor in our city. And he was on a trip with his son, though. He got in a car accident. And he's been paralyzed from the waist down ever since. And so he was telling us about a flight that he had been recently on. And, and he said, you got to know, when I fly, when I go to a conference, or when I, you know, when I travel by plane, he said, it is such a hassle for me. And he said, you know, oftentimes I feel like a piece of luggage I finally get to the plane, I get picked up, I get put in the chair. He said, it's just a hassle, and oftentimes I'm being handled, he feels like a piece of luggage, by people that aren't maybe very well trained and that really don't want to help him. He said, though, on this one particular flight, the treatment he felt like was pretty poor. 
And so he was sitting there and he was stewing as the plane took off and the plane was in the air. And, and he was thinking about how, he said, I'm going to write management a long email about this one. About how I've been treated today and how they need to train people. And come on, we gotta, you got to do this better. And he was going on and on. He was stewing. He was ranting. He said, I'm, management's going to hear about it. And then he said, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this little boy, and he said, I could hear him coming, and he was running up the aisle, and he said this, the little boy said, I'm flying, and he was skipping, he said, I'm flying, and he just kept skipping, I'm flying, and he kept saying it. And Gary said this, he said, in that moment, watching this child have such joy in something that I too was a part of, flying. He said, it's as though I heard God gently tap me on the shoulder and say to me, Gary, you're flying too. Gary, I've not forgotten you. Gary, I know the frustration you feel. Gary, I've got you. Gary, focus on me. Set your sights on me. And he said it changed him. Later on in the meeting, one of the guys was talking about one of the problems that he was encountering, and, and Gary said, hey, I'm flying. I'm just flying, with a smile on his face. The writer and the theologian, Dallas Willard, he put it like this as he talked about our thoughts. He said, the ultimate freedom we have as individuals is in the power to select what we allow or require our minds to dwell upon and think about. The focus of your thoughts significantly, I think we'd all agree with this, affects everything else that happens in your life, and it evokes the emotions that frame your world and motivate your actions. We have the ability and, and I think this is key, the responsibility to keep God present in our minds. And those who do so will make steady progress toward him, for he will respond by making himself known to us. Dallas Willard says, it's on us. You get to set it. What will you set your mind on? Where will your focus be? And then it goes on, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Notice real quick here that it doesn't say, let your minds be on things above. Just let your mind wander to things above. No, they won't. Will they? Mine don't. They don't. You have to set. There's some action here. Set your mind. I wonder how often I miss. I wonder how often we miss the things, the grand things that God would love to lead us to because our minds have stopped being set on things above. And we've gotten tangled up in things that are not as important. Remember Ephesians 3.20, our theme verse for this year. We worship the God of immeasurably more. And I wonder if God sometimes looks at us and he goes, oh, if you would just set your mind on me, you would see that person differently. Oh, if you just set your mind on me right now, you'd see that situation differently. I'm opening up an opportunity for you. I long for you to go through that door. You'll see me work. But you have to set your mind on him. Paul knows that our minds will not naturally drift towards Christ. And so he says it very plainly. He says, and hey, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. So how do you do that, though? How do you set your mind on things above? Let me give you four very quick things. Here they are. We talk about this one a ton. Open this book every week, every day, get into it. Every day, sit before God and, and don't just go out in the woods and just say, okay, God, I'm going to set my mind on you. You can do that, 
but it better be informed by the awesome, incredible truth that God has already given us, right? So start here. Uh, Think about this. Interact with him. Like, don't just treat God like he's just the God of a religion, because Jesus hated religion. You see it all over the Gospels. Look at Jesus Christ and, and know that he longs to interact with you. And so when you go through your day, when you go into a meeting, when you parent your children, when you pull into your garage, interact with him. He longs to have that with you. Number three, this one I think is really hard. Rest. The Bible calls this a Sabbath. And, and basically what it is is this. It's this practice where you say, I'm not going to do, I'm just going to be. God, I'm, I'm going I'm to take a time out. The Lord says, take a whole day and do this. I really struggle with that. The Lord says, you take a day where you just remind yourself of who you are. You let me whisper into your mind. You open this book. You commune with people that you love. You do all those sorts of things that remind you of the goodness and the wonder and who you are in that incredible standing before a holy God. Rest. Next one, get around other people that have the same desire to set their minds. We tell you all the time, would you please get in a small group? Would you please get in a small group? Get on a serving team. Get around other people. They're going the same direction. And then I think there's this whole other category. Some of you need to go for a walk. You need to get out in God's nature. Some of you need to watch the sunset. Some of you, you need to drink very slowly a good cup of coffee. And some of you just said, now that I can set my mind on, man. I like that, man. But set your mind on things that will remind you of the goodness of God, the greatness of his plans for you, the greatness of who he is, his desires for our city, his desires for your workplace, his desires for your relationship. Take the time. And here's what I promise of you. The more that you press into him, the more that you'll want of him. Because again, it's like you're tasting of something that is so good and so rich. And the more that you get Jesus Christ, the more you want to lean in. And then he says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. In other words, don't let the blessings of God become your burdens. So don't let your things own you. Don't let your pursuit of a hobby overcome your pursuit of Christ. Don't let a relationship sideline you from setting your mind on Christ. Don't let a sport take you away from your most primary pursuit in life, that being Jesus Christ. You set your minds on him. You can do those things. They're not bad, but have them in their right place. Keep the earthly blessings of God in their place. And then verse three, incredible news. Paul keeps going. He says, for you died. And where is your life? Oh, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's as though the Apostle Paul takes them right back to that same place again. He wants them to be reminded, you cannot earn your standing before a loving God. For Christ, who is your life, your life is now hidden in him. It's hidden in Christ, in God. But here's the thing, you died. It's not about you. All you did was you said, okay, I'm dead to that. I can't do that. I died, but God, you made me alive in Christ. And where's my life now? My life is now hidden in you. And when you have that mindset, Paul takes us back to the gospel. And here's the thing. If you want to continually set your mind on things above, tell yourself the gospel all the time. Remind yourself, man, I died. That's a good thing. And now my life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
You know what that will do for you? It will change your perspective. You'll parent differently. You'll work differently. You'll love differently. You'll think differently. Let the gospel, let that good news. Again, Paul takes them right back to the gospel. He says, hey, this is what I want you to do. And then he gives us a little more detail. And then he goes right back to where we started. He says, hey, I just want to remind you, for you died. Remember, it's the gospel. It's not about you. It's the gospel. And then it all comes together in verse 4. He says this, when Christ, who is your life, so like you've trusted him with everything, when he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's John chapter 14. Paul's saying this, hey, there's going to be a day when you, you set your mind on, on things above right now, but there's going to be a day when Christ is going to return and you're going to actually appear with him in glory. Like, read John 14. It's all the promises of God. You're going to enjoy those. You're going to be with him. There will be no more trial or pain or any of the things that you deal with in this world that frustrate you. But Paul says this, remember, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, but where's your life? It's now hidden in Christ. But then one day, Christ, who is your life, what's he going to do? He's going to appear. He's going to take you with him. He's going to take you with him to glory. Let me ask you this question to close this. Where would you say your mind is set? Imagine the next time that you experience a big trial, something that you can't bear. Imagine if your mind didn't get set on the fear or your mind didn't get set on the person that you so want to have that conversation with. Imagine if your mind went to Christ. How might it change how you live? How about the next time that you're tempted to compare yourself to somebody else and it's just discouraging you? What if in that moment you said, okay, I'm not going to set my mind on that. I'm going to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, okay? It's no mystery where I'm supposed to set my mind on. And when I do that, if I'll take the time to do that, God will remind me of who I am in Christ. Imagine if the next time that you want to lash out, instead of lashing out, you set your mind on things above. What might Christ do? I want to end this way a little bit differently this morning. I, I want us to practice this. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're comfortable with this, just bow your head right now. And I'm just going to pray for us and with us. And and I just want to lead us through a couple moments here where you're able to say, Lord, I set my mind on you. Lord, I set my heart on you. You might even need to say this first to the Lord. You might need to say, Lord, forgive me for the times when I've not done this. God, would you forgive me for the times when I'm so quick to set my mind on something else and it, it can be overwhelming to me. Lord, we confess those to you. Lord, I confess that to you. And then know this, the Lord welcomes you right back. Right now he does. David, very intentionally, we saw this in the psalm we read this morning in 365. You know what David did? He was experiencing a severe trial. But what did he say? He said this. He said, truly my soul finds, here it is, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and he is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And then we work down a little bit further in that psalm. He talks a little bit more about what he's going through. And then he repeats the same thing. What was he doing? He was saying, Lord, I set my mind on you. And so, God, we remember this morning. God, you are faithful. Maybe even say that to yourself. God, my God is faithful. God, you are holy, my God. My God is holy. I'll set my mind on him. God, you forgive. Oh, God, thank you that you forgive. 
God, your love, what is it, Lord? Your love is better than life. God, you're my helper. Say that to him. God, you're my healer. God, you're my ransom. God, what are you? God, you are my redeemer. I will set my mind on you. Lord, we love you. And God, we pray that our actions then would flow from minds that are well-informed by our good and gracious and loving God. We pray in Christ's name.